0: We all want happy, healthy families, and that quest for good health begins at birth. Sadly, many of our nation's infants have a much more difficult journey reaching their first birthday than other infants. African American babies, for instance, are as much as two and a half times less likely to reach their first birthday than Caucasian babies. This disturbing disparity has given rise to a national forum forum, wherein healthcare professionals, birth workers, policymakers, and family planning experts share information and ideas to combat the scourge of black infant mortality and maternal morbidity. Welcome to the gap podcast series.
1: Welcome to the gap podcast series. Today we are in for a really unique experience. We have Jasmine Farish with us today, and we're going to spend this episode talking about her experience dealing with issues of maternal health, maternal health outcomes, and black infant mortality in East Texas. So I just wanna kick things off today by just having this extraordinary guest tell us about who she is and where she's from and a bit about what she does. So, Jasmine, you have the floor.
2: Oh, thank you. So, my name is Jasmine. Our vision at Community Wellness of Tyler is to provide mothers with resources so that they can enjoy pregnancy. Pregnancy is a joyous time, independent from how a mother got there. So we want to provide her resources, whether they be through education, providing prenatal care, providing her options for where she would like to birth, at home, in the birthing center, or in the hospital. That continuum of care is what we're after. And that's what we seek to provide. I started out as a bedside nurse, registered nurse in uh, women's health out in Beaumont, Texas. And you know, being in the hospital is just a taste of what happens in somebody's life. Um, So I would, excuse me, I would see them maybe for three days and try to impact their life in those little three days and it just wasn't enough for me. And so I went back and became a doula. I started off as a postpartum doula, labor doula, um, and that wasn't enough for me. I still saw some gaps in care. And that made me want to pursue a degree in public health. So that's what I decided to do. And, and then that wasn't enough. It was just like, you, you see these gaps in care and you're just like, I, I gotta do something. I can't sit back and watch my community suffer. Um, and so I chose to fill that gap. I went back and became a nurse midwife
1: a nurse midwife.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Okay. What exactly is a nurse midwife?
2: A nurse midwife, we care for women um, from adolescence until menopause over her lifespan. Whether that be primary care, I could take care of a cold, I can see you when you're trying to get pregnant, um, I could deliver your baby, I could help you transition through menopause. All of those things. So it's just with woman. That's what midwife means. With woman.
1: So that. So what you're saying is, you're like a. Uh, for women, you're kind of a superhero. You do it all.
2: I'm trying. Yeah,
1: yeah. You need. You need a costume with some sort of an insignia, on a costume. Wow, that's that's pretty extraordinary. I didn't know that it was, that it was that involved. Now. Lisa Williams. Got us together. And Lisa Williams invited us out to Tyler last year to speak about black infant mortality and black maternal health. And myself, Nakia Lawson, who's also a, a, a doula, a birth worker, and she's a part of the show as well. You know, we went out and spent about two hours out in, in Tyler at the Black Chamber of Commerce, uh, just talking about the work that we're doing with our series and other things. And I was, when I was talking to Lisa, and I told her what what we wanted for the show, what we needed, she said, there's only one person that can fit the bill. And she gave me your name. And she went on and on about the work that you're doing. So, you know, Lisa co-signed you and told, told us you were the one. So I was like, okay, I need to, we need to be about trying to find her. So thank you for being here today. All right, we're going to get into the Into really the first part, the first arc of what we're going to talk about this afternoon, Jasmine. We have a clip that we're about to play, and it is uh, is from the former Congresswoman, uh, Democratic Congresswoman from California. And this is a clip where she is part of a congressional hearing about infant mortality and maternal health. So... We're going to go to that clip, Jasmine, and then I want you to offer your general thoughts and commentary on that. So anytime you're ready, let's go to the lowest caps clip. Many people would just assume that the United States, being as advanced as it is, doesn't have significant infant mortality rates or that everyone has access to high-quality prenatal care. But the truth is, the United States lags far behind other industrialized nations in infant mortality rates. And... I might add, maternal mortality rates as well. So why is this happening in our country? We have a problem of access. Having a healthier pregnancy and a healthy baby shouldn't be determined by the color of your skin, where you live, or how much money you earn. Okay. Okay. What are your thoughts about that, Jasmine?
2: My initial thought was... She brought up, it shouldn't matter where you live or how much money you make. And all those speak to having options. So what's happening to black women in our community, they don't have many options. We talked about the surge of midwives coming back and serving the community. Right now they are mostly strictly cash pay. So if you don't have money to pay out of pocket to have the option to birth out of the hospital, that's not a, that's not feasible for you. And so you're going back into this structural space, this medical complex, where they don't have your best interest at heart. Um, and so where you live, how much money you make, those all speak to resources and options that have been limited for us.
1: And what's the, as a practical matter, what's the impact on a pregnancy, a pregnant mom, a family that doesn't really have options?
2: That's affecting generations. When you think about it, I have to go to my, um, my prenatal appointment in an environment that is not positive, that doesn't see me as an individual, um, more concerned about getting me in and out. But I don't have another option to go anywhere else. So I come back to this same toxic environment because this is my only option.
1: The congresswoman talked about access to prenatal care. And we're, we're going to deal with that, certainly deal with that in, the, in, in this series because access is one of the, it's one of the eight factors we've identified that, that are connected to preterm births. But one of the doulas said to us that, it's not just access to prenatal care. You need to add a word in that. And it's access to respectful prenatal care. And she went on to describe how the feelings that some of her clients told her that they had when they're dealing with the healthcare system. My question to you is, how essential is that to the pregnancy journey to have respectful prenatal care?
2: It's the essence, because as a woman, it starts when you walk into the door, you know, the way that I'm greeted when I go to the front desk. Um, I'm thinking about a client who, I walked into her house, you know, I do home visits, and she had a ring on her finger. On her, you know, as a, a wedding ring, and I said, "Did you get married? You know, what? Tell me what's up. You know, um, uh, update me." And she said, "No, I went to my prenatal visit today, and I always wear my ring because they treat me better if they think that I'm married." And that's the stuff that we're coming coming up against. You know, I have to alter myself so that I can get the care that I need to, so that I can have a healthy pregnancy.
1: Okay, I. I need to make sure that that I really heard that. This woman said to you, this client said to you, I always wear a ring when I go to the doctor's office because they treat me better if they think I'm married. Well, how, how in the hell do they treat women who aren't married? Don't they deserve the same level of treatment and care? Aren't you a professional birth worker? How do you, what gives you the, the the right to think that you can adjust your level of interest in a child and a pregnant mom because they don't fit your value system? Talk to me about that.
2: Then we're talking about biases, right? And people think that it's only, well, I'm not racist. You still have bias, whether it be on a class system. Some moms don't even want to... Um, let people know they're on Medicaid, because then it comes off as if they're lazy, they're using the the system, Um, this, that, and the other. But I just don't understand how, you got to treat everybody as if they were family. If that were your mom coming, or your sister coming into the clinic, you wouldn't want her to be treated like that. And so that affects her, that affects her pregnancy, her stress levels, her hormones, and if you're bringing a child into an environment that's high stress, the infant can feel that. When I go home, it's high—you know, it's high stress. I'm coming back, bringing my baby to a pediatrician's office, where they ask me, "Oh, it, they ask me about the father of my baby. Is he involved? Is he in the baby's life?" You wouldn't ask anybody else that.
1: What's the impact of that on the psyche? of the mom when there's all these external factors that are, that are rooted in bias that are just flying at her and trying to stick on her during this time? What's the impact to the mom?
2: I see mom shutting down. I see all that, <clears throat> all that stress just being internal. And it tear, and then it in turn tears the body down
1: a body that's being used to build a human being mm-hmm. what what makes it and this this may be far beyond what you are able to to, to respond to not certainly because of you know, because of cognitive cognitive ability, it just may be something you don't want to talk about. I want to know what gives these people that are part of the the healthcare system the right to bring their personal biases to bear as professional healthcare workers when isn't the first. Oath that you take to do no harm
2: to do no harm I, I, I honestly think they don't realize the harm that they're putting on these women um and maybe that goes back to the environment in which they work a lot of times it's easy for us to get jaded in the healthcare system um but at the end of the day you check your biases or your opinions at the door because you're here to serve, serve other women, families. Um, And I'm thinking about, I just had a client who wanted to birth naturally, meaning no epidural, no pain medication. And so my advice to her was to stay at home as long as possible. Because the moment that you step into this industrial complex is problematic. You're on their agenda now. It's no longer about you, your birth, or your experience. It's about, okay, you're going to have this baby. Let me give you this medicine to help you speed it up because I got things to do.
1: We're about to go to commercial and... When we come back, we'll have more of our interview with the amazing Jasmine Farish. You're listening to The Gap Podcast Series.
2: My name is Nakia Lawson, and I am so excited to announce a new segment on the GAP podcast series called Let's Doula This. As we talk more about infant mortality and maternal mortality in communities of color and around our globe, we wanna focus on areas and ways in which doulas can help advance what's going on in maternal health. So join us as we continue to share in the GAP podcast series, Let's Doula This.
1: Forces inimical to the lives of black children and black moms have been unleashed on our communities. Simply stated, we're in a mess. And what do we know about messes? The same level of thinking that gets you into a mess is neither deep enough or broad enough to get you out.
0: A lot of the work has been done in what, what is the social context of pregnancy and African-American women? We face um, a health disparities crisis right here at, at home. Preterm birth truly is a public health priority. Were we able to prevent preterm births, not only would infant mortality improve, we would actually improve the health of the nation. And the, the infant mortality rates for African-American populations in those zip codes, it's, it, it's astoundingly high. Too many babies are born
1: prematurely, and there are disturbing racial disparities we must address. Our team is embarking on a quest to determine why this prevailing gap in maternal and infant healthcare exists. To learn more about this quest, visit 365plus1.org. You're listening to the Gap Podcast Series. We're back to our interview with Jasmine Farish. Jasmine, what are the particular challenges that moms face who live in rural communities?
2: Racism. Lack of transportation, lack of options, lack of resources. I have moms who drive 45 minutes to see their doctor. It just makes me sad because on, on top of everything else that they deal with, they have to fight to get to care that is not respectful.
1: And what happens to the moms that are facing transportation issues? Because clearly there ain't no bus or elevated train that's going to be able to get you from your place in the country to your place in the city so or to the hospital in the city. The doctor, what, I mean, what then? If, if you can't get there, then what happens?
2: then we don't see them until they're getting ready to deliver or they're in their second trimester, their first appointment, their 20 weeks.
1: And as a, and, and, and being that, you know, that I'm a male and older, help, help frame up for us, for our audience, why that's not necessarily a good thing for your first appointment to occur 20 weeks into your pregnancy.
2: There's so many things that could go wrong. Um, Normally we would see a woman, maybe she finds out she's pregnant around that six to eight week mark. And so we could educate her on um, ways to take care of her body, things that she should be eating, methods to have a healthy pregnancy. But if I'm not seeing you until you're you're halfway through already. There's there there are essential elements that you are missing to the to have a healthy start, and we're not addressing that. And I want to talk about in Tyler there is a or in East Texas rural areas there's a problem with women getting into prenatal care early, whether that's their choice or I have women that they do their due diligence, they call and they can't get seen until their second trimester because we lack options. We lack access. There's no one to see them in the rural areas.
1: No one to see them. So it sounds like that the role of the the midwife would be would take on even greater significance in communities like this.
2: Definitely. As a, right now as a nurse home visitor, I'm going into your environment as the patient to provide care. My goal is to do the same as a midwife. Let's take away all these barriers to care. You don't have to worry about coming into the city to see me. I'm coming to you. Some women I see on their lunch breaks because they can't miss work. If you think about it, they're taking an afternoon off for a 15-minute appointment, and that's money that I'm missing in their eyes. So for me, let me come do your appointment wherever you are so that we can get you taken care of. Hmm.
1: How much driving do you do?
2: I do a lot. (laughs) Like,
1: 100 miles a day, 50 miles a day. I mean, give give me a flavor for how much you're in the car.
2: It just depends on the day. Right now I see all of Smith County, so it could vary. We're going to expand into Henderson County. So easily could be anywhere from 50 to 100 miles of driving to see clients.
1: I just want to give you the floor. I mean, you've already got the mic, so... After all that we've talked about this morning, just what would you like to say? How would you like to end this all? I'll just give you an opportunity to do that.
2: I think for me, I want to let moms know that they're not alone. That someone does have their best interest at heart. That there are people on the ground fighting for them, fighting for their children, seeking improvement that are coming up against these industrial complexes, fighting for what's right. And so hopefully that'll give them encouragement to keep going as well.
1: Well, I think the future depends on what we do now. Definitely.
0: Thank you for listening. The Gap Podcast Series is produced by Limeville Entertainment in association with Sagase Media Group. Also, be sure to visit us online at 365 five P L usone.org dot org. That's three six five plus one dot org.